This is Puck Here, New Zealand's hockey podcast, with your hosts Logan Swinkles and Joe Jury. Thank you, Jason Hoyt. What a voice. Uh, welcome to Puck Here, a podcast. I'm mixing it up and starting things off this week. My name is Joe Jury, and with me is Logan Swinkles. I thought we talked about this, that we weren't going to say who we are anymore, because by this point, um, you should just know. And also, Jason says it at the start. Well, it's because I'm doing the, the intro, so I thought it would freak people out if they heard this random voice coming on first, apart from your voice. So, I, I thought we'd reset and have me do the intro. And... Um, Enough of this admin, let's get the podcast going. <laughs> That's fair enough, fair enough. Um, so yeah, this week we are focusing on hockey movies because that's one thing we always like to talk about uh, and it won't be just the Mighty Ducks movies, although there might be a bit of Ducks chat creeping into this podcast near the end because we are being joined by John Broadbent who writes for AnaheimCalling.com. Howdy guys, it's finally good to be on the show. It's finally good to get some um, some good support for Anaheim <laughs> on this podcast and we don't have to be railroaded by all this Leafs talk. Hey, <laughs> I try to keep it in check. I, like, this isn't a Leafs podcast. As much as people on our Facebook might try and punish us for it, it's not what we're all about. And of course, obviously, now we try to focus a lot more broadly um, on, you know, all different hockey stuff, New Zealand stuff. But hey, um, I welcome a bit of Ducks chat today. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll, I'll keep it at a minimum. <laughs> I think the one the one thing that we should probably mention first before we get stuck in is that um, John actually lives in Nelson. He doesn't live in Auckland. He lives in beautiful, what I assume, sunny Nelson because Auckland is just disgusting. The home, the home of Guy Williams, home of sunny Guy Nelson. Williams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if it weren't for the fact that um, John now lives in Nelson, he probably would have had more of a hand in this podcast. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> No, I can't. You can't put that on me. I think you guys did an awesome job. And actually, as Punchy mentioned a couple of episodes back, really appreciate what you guys have done for hockey. Like, it's not you're not getting enough love as it is. I think you're doing such a good job promoting the sport, promoting everything for it in this country. It's I couldn't have done it as good as you guys are doing. You're doing twenty million times better than I could have done. So no, no, <laughs> you guys are kicking ass. Have we have we done much though? Because I kind of feel like we just get the same bullshit every week on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's the old Kiwi way of doing things, right? You, you can't get too high above yourself. We've got to got to shop you down. But no, uh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I'd, I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank the feedback of um, clearing up that a the a botany swarm mascot is in fact a, a wasp. Oh, I thought it was... Apparently, it's a bee. Oh, it was a bee. Okay. Yeah. And then honeybees do not die when they sting. No, no. Honeybees do. Oh. I feel like you're not even paying attention <laughs> no, to the I feedback don't. we get. No, I, I don't. But that's the thing. Maybe that's the fault of the New Zealand education system because all I ever knew was that bees die when they sting. Apparently, it's only honeybees. And like, <laughs> we're running out of bees, so let's get some more bee education into schools, people. That should yes. be the mandate of Winston Peters and his selection of this new government. Bee education. Yes. <laughs> nice pun. Uh, anyway, let's yeah, let's get straight into it. Um, so, hockey movies. Uh, of course, right now, the Goon sequel, Goon, Last of the Enforcers, has been out in New Zealand for uh, a month. 
And while two of us have watched it, one of us probably should have. Yeah. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get stuck in, obviously you got to, uh, John got the awesome opportunity to interview Jay Baruchel. Um, yes, I did. So before we get before we talk about <laughs> the experience of even getting to do that, which is pretty cool, uh, we'll just play it for you. Hi there, John. How are you? Good. Hey, good to meet you. Um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to this movie. Um, I'm super excited about it. Thank you. Good. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I love the, I love the first one, and um, and I just watched it again today. And I got to ask, as you're a Habs fan, um, were the Evgeny and Oleg characters based on a certain Belarusian brother tandem of past Montreal Canadiens? Hey, well, well done, my friend. Well done. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> there's, there's, that's, that's something that some people have picked up on, and uh, and so. You know, because we because they're not forwards, because they're defensemen. I think some people maybe don't pick up on that. But uh, oh, but yes, uh, um, there's 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 definitely uh, a bit of Kostitsin in their DNA. Uh, <laughs> Were there any characters in the Last of the Enforcers that are inspired by real hockey players? Any new characters? Uh, indeed, um, but I think I should uh, let time pass before I publicly mention any of that. Okay. <laughs> um, I think what appeals to me, and I'm guessing to a lot of Goon's audience, is the, is the throwback to the way Enforcers used to handle things. Um, something that's been... Yeah, I, I think so too, yeah. Yeah. So would you agree that slowly yeah. and quietly fading from the game? Yeah, it's it's. I think it's definitely on its way out. I mean, you know, last season we fighting in the NHL was down like I think fifty percent from the the year prior, and uh, so I think there it is. Um, uh, you know, history and the NHL have decided uh, wh- where it is, where it stands, and I think, and we saw that coming, and this is why we were like, you know, the the sort of big creative light bulb for us is that. Uh, you know, we knew Doug was going to have to step away from the game, and uh, and as that occurred to us, it was apparent that uh, fighting was was stepping away from the game itself. Um, and we were like, "That's a nice kind of romantic, melancholy uh, bit of bit of character stuff there." That you know, as Doug hangs up his skates, uh, that entire role is being retired as well. Um, and then you know. Doug becomes something of a relic to a by, uh, of a bygone era, you know, in in the time before he uh, before he says goodbye. So, yeah, it's, it's very very different. Um, in, in a lot of ways, the the NHL hockey um, is is very different than the uh, hockey we used to watch. So you're sort of transitioning possibly towards the new pest type role. I'm sorry, say that again. So you're sort of transitioning away from um, the way enforcers used to be towards the new pest type role, the ones that can score and fight. Yeah, that's the yeah that that seems to be it. The the kind of Maxim Lapierre prototype. Um, yeah. yeah, it's the, yeah the, that 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 seems to be it. It just doesn't seem to be something that um, the NHL wants as part of its brand. Um, who was the, the best hockey player to work with on Last of the Enforcers? And this is where you say George Paris. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, you know, he's a he's a uh, uh, Peros is one of the best guys I know. Um, he's a, he's a really really lovely man and a super hard worker and super humble and and um, 
and really, really just bright and charismatic and fun to be around. Um, to, to be honest, they, they, they were all pretty wicked and free with their time, you know, and Brandon Prust was fucking super dope. Colt Nor gave us just, you know, endless, him and, him and, him and Peros and The Rock, all, the three of them each gave us just like, hours and hours and hours of their time and their energy, you know, and, and when, when someone comes and does a cameo on other films, like they, they show up for an afternoon and like the biggest thing they have to, the biggest sort of, you know, worry, concern for them is how much or how little makeup they'll have on. When, when they come to do a cameo on our movie, we're like fucking getting them to put on skates and gear, <laughs> go fucking hustle for eight to ten hours like it's no it's no small it's no small feat doing a cameo in a goon movie and uh and and nary a complaint to be had uh from any of them well it sounded like it was really complicated to shoot um how important was it to you to get the hockey sequences down to being as realistic as possible Oh, that was, uh, you know, the top three concerns, um, yeah. in the entire movie. Um, you know, we, we think that, uh, Goon, the first film, got that stuff quite right. You know, we think we, we, we think the hockey's pretty good in that movie, and we think the fighting is really, really good as well. Um, and so, but, but we can't be content to just, uh, retrace our footsteps. We have to see if there's any way we can improve. And, 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 you know, by the way, how do you, um, you know, hockey is such a fast-moving game, and people are very, very well acquainted with how it's meant to be photographed, and there's sort of, there's visual info you need. You need to know where the puck is. You need to know who's in possession. You need to know who's in front of them, all this different stuff. And so how do you communicate that to the audience so that they understand and, and can feel connected to all of it um, whilst kind of trying to break new ground and find a more interesting way of leaning into it. And so, so that was something that like, it, it, it all started from Jesse and I just asking ourselves, what is the most exciting um, stuff to happen in hockey? And then once we kind of had our sort of list or our hit list of everything we wanted, all the best, you know, sort of most exciting plays we wanted to put in there, it was a question of parceling them out in the uh, sort of thematically appropriate scenes. Because there's never just hockey for hockey's sake in our movie. Like every single action sequence forwards the story, has a story, has a thematic reason for it. And, um, and then, and then it's, you know, getting Adrian Lamonico, our hockey coordinator, who runs Journey to Excel here in Toronto, which is a, one Canada's probably leading hockey academy. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, we, he was, uh, he ran our hockey camp for three weeks and he also choreographed all of our, all of our hockey, all of our on ice stuff that isn't fighting. And, um, and he, uh, and he had basically the unenviable task of translating Jesse and my, um, clumsy stage direction into uh into actual hockey plays that people could uh, could understand um and then it was photographing them as as excitingly and most interesting way possible um but yeah it was it was that that was one of the sort of biggest things that uh that took the most work was making sure that the hockey was a, was as beautiful and exciting as possible and and to that end it, it really helps having an entire crew of canadians you know, <laughs> like, like you know there's a uh, hundred plus people on set at any time with their bullshit detectors you know we everyone on that set understand understands at a very profound fun, fundamental level what the game is and how it's meant to look and be played and um you know and i i just like 
I don't know that we could have pulled it off uh, elsewhere. I don't know that we'd have had that many sort of critical eyes on us anywhere else. Right. So, Jay Baruchel, eh? How was that? <sighs> oh, God. That was, um, that's like been a highlight of my year, possibly my life so far. Um, yeah, that was so random. I just writing for Anaheim Calling. Um, I didn't understand why I keep getting these emails from PR and promo people where nobody else in my team was. And I got this one from this guy saying, hey, Goon 2 is coming out. Here's a list of people um, you could do an interview with. Uh, sort of take your pick. Um, we'd love it if you could put some stuff on your, on the blog to do with the movie. And I kind of thought it was a joke. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, so from the list, there was Sean William Scott. There was Alison Pill. There was, you know, oh, even um, Colin Orr and I think one other hockey guy. Um, but I just jumped at Jay Barishaw because I was like, love that dude. He knows hockey. He makes movies. So um, asked for Jay. And before I know it, they were setting it up. And right up until the last, like, the day that it was meant to happen, I still thought it was a joke. So I was, like, ready to just, you know, I just wasn't getting my hopes up. But um, I got, I stayed up till one thirty in the morning, and, and they called me. And, uh, yeah, I got to talk to them for 10 minutes. <laughs> Could you only pick one person to interview? Um, I probably could have done more, but then on looking back at it now, that would have been a fucking nightmare because even interviewing him, the original date was rescheduled because he had to do some other stuff. Um, and that's when I was starting to think, oh, this isn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, could have got, I could have done Sean William Scott or Alison Pill or Colin Orr or one of the other hockey players. Um, Paris wasn't listed. I probably would have gone for him as well if he was if he was listed. Um, but yeah, there's probably it's, not too probably uh, not too many people wanting to talk to Colton all these days. Really, no, <laughs> no, he's kind of um, gone away with the with the enforcer. The way of the enforcer basically, he's disappeared. Yeah, he. Um, while I was researching for the interview, I saw he did some bits with Jay around other people's little offices and promo things. You can look them up later. It's uh, some of it's kind of comical. Um, so he's trying, I guess he's trying to remake himself in some sort of media role. Yeah. Yeah. I had noticed um, in like in the credits for Goon 2 that obviously you had the players, you know, you had Paros, you had LaRock, you had Tyler Sagan, Delzato, uh, and Brandon Price, but Colton Orr is listed under stunts. So, <laughs> so it's like if you had some kind of speaking role or like you were phys- physically on camera, then you got like a role in the movie as like an actor, but Colton Orr just got like a stunt credit. I think that's because Colton Orr's, the delivery of this one line that he has, he's like, don't you know, they've changed the format. And it's like the, probably some of the worst acting I think I've ever seen on <laughs> in film. So that maybe, maybe he was in a whole bunch of other stuff and they're like, we, we've got to cut him out. We yeah. have to cut him out. <laughs> we give you one line. And you fucked it up. <laughs> well, I got to ask, because from the trailer, okay, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I definitely want to. Um, there's a bit where it seems to be like a big fight off. And researching the interview, it was based on this real life event in Canada where just fighters come and do like this tournament of like one on ones until the best man wins kind of thing. Was that pretty epic, that scene? It's pretty good. It's it's where Doug goes to um, reboot his career, his um, his playing career with Liv uh, Schreiber's character, who is, I, I'm in love with that man. I want that guy to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a great character. But yeah, it's basically, it starts off just being one-on-one fights and then it's like last man stands kind of Thunderdome stuff. Oh, cool. But then they go to this other one 
where it's basically like bull rush, but you rush out into the middle of the ice and then just start punching each other like a royal <laughs> battle royale. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool scene, and it's it's where you see um, George Paros <laughs> really shine his acting skills. He's got a very broad range. Obviously, you now he has Violent Gentleman, the clothing company, and stuff as well. Uh, and then he was is in this fight, and the, he, I can't remember who he was going toe to toe with. But they're just like, "What are we doing, man?" And he's like, "I don't know. I went to Princeton." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's Colt Noor. He starts off fighting, and then um, he just annihilates him. With this beautiful mustache. Oh, God, yes. And the best... I, th- I can't remember. I think it might actually have been in the trailer uh, where Sean William Scott, old Doug Glatt, goes to fight George Paros. He's like, you look like Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh. Yeah, though, that is probably... Um, it's an interesting scene because, yeah, it's like this traveling hockey circus, but it's just... It's something... The punchline, I think, was, you know, this is where fourth liners go to, like, try and hash out their career and keep it going. Well, and it's just, made, yeah. And it's just like prize fighting. Yeah. And they made it, so they made light of that scene. They made it a nice, funny scene. Yeah. It's not, it's not super dark. It's kind of a little funny, little uh, comedic bit. Yeah. Cause the way he described that in my research was like, it was this really sad event in Canadian history <laughs> and they couldn't, apparently the, the guys that set up that event couldn't even find broadcasters for it because it's like who wants to see these guys at the end of the careers completely destroy themselves but um yeah I'm glad <laughs> yeah it was just yeah i don't see that happening that was just a very kind of underground thing uh the one thing that i really enjoyed um you know talking about like the cameos in goon 2 was james duthie's cameo he's just all over the place yeah him uh <laughs> tj miller was kind of i always get it's jt miller is the ranger yeah. And TJ Miller is I, the comedian. I made the exact same mistake in the credits because I was like, I saw TJ Miller and I was like, TJ Miller was in it, but he doesn't fight. And then <laughs> and my girlfriend was like, no, that's TJ Miller. I was like, all right, of course. Um, yeah. So the two of them, uh, TJ Miller and James Duthie, the one criticism I would have about the movie is that they try and use them too much as a storytelling device to try and move it along uh, from game to game. And so it kind of loses the novelty of it because they do come up a lot in, in the movie. But I guess, you know, we do want to see TJ Miller. But the, the best part was, um, I guess we're probably... I mean, we'll try to stay away from spoilers here. Um, we, we just, we're just kind of like mentioning funny bits and stuff that we enjoyed. But there was, there was one bit where, because um, obviously the whole premise of the movie, as you, as you probably aware, John, is yep. the the pro hockey. There's a there's a lockout, and yep. and so all those players are going down to these minor leagues, which is like where the Halifax Highlanders play. Yeah. And uh, during the sports desk, which is like a it's like a mimic of TSN Sports Center. Um, TJ is just like, what a great lockout. <laughs> and James Duthie's like, nobody says that. I just did. I just did. Yeah, apparently they, um, I was listening to an interview with James Duffy about it and they just got on set and TJ Miller just ad-libbed for about two hours just with all the slogans like sports desk it's a slogan we do slogans and all these like random quite um, there's a lot of weird stuff that he says um, and James Duffy just sits there and kind of plays the straight guy. Yeah. It was very funny. Were they, were they supposed to be the comic relief in the way that the Russians were in the first movie? Yeah, in, in a sense. But like I said, the movie kind of... 
it tries to rely on them a little too much. The Russians are still there. Um, okay. They're very funny. There's 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 a really good bit. Obviously, uh, you know, the whole idea of it is that Doug is starting a family. And when the news comes out, there's this awesome bit where, uh, yeah, I think the, the Russians, like, they're talking to Doug. And they're like, a dick explodes. A baby <laughs> is made. A father is born. <laughs> And that was oh no that was on when when yeah, the most kid is, when the baby's born yeah, yeah. but the the Russians and their um their relationship with um Belchi the goalie about how they are having sex with his mother is very goes very graphic <laughs> <laughs> yeah see that was probably my favorite part of the interview too was just I led with that question because I'd seen the first movie that day and I was, I was as I was watching it, I was like okay so why Russians because in all the vein of great hockey movies, Slapshot and all that, um, there is always some sort of comic relief character. And Slapshot, it was the goalie, French-Canadian stereotypes fulfilled kind of thing. Um, but I was thinking, why Russian brothers? So I was thinking about it some more, and I was like, well, he's a Habs fan. Hang a second. So I did, you know, had a look back through time, and it's like, hey, yeah, the, the Kostitsyn brothers. Um, so that's why I asked that question. And yeah, I, I guess I nailed it on that one. But yeah. The, you did. That's hey, great. Great, great research. Yeah, Jay seemed <laughs> really stoked that you got that connection. Yeah. Um, so, following on from that, one of the questions I asked was, uh, "Is there any other players that it's a new movie that he's based it on?" And he said there was, but he couldn't say. So, did you guys see any characters that could be based I, on? I the, reckon the it's goalie? the goalie. It's the um, Brzgalov goalie. Uh-huh. You reckon, oh, of course. It's got to be like, It's candy. It's candy. Yeah. And he's just smiling the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this new character in the movie who's kind of like the, you know, he's come down from the lockout. He's like this weird Slovak goalie. And he's just <laughs> start of the season. He's walking around the locker room, giving everyone, giving everyone candy and um, bowing down and showing like, you know, respect and everything. And they're all just kind of like, what is this? Is some kind of Slovak tradition? They're like, I, I guess, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, and he's just so like, so happy all the time. It's got to be Breeze, right? Uh, that's the only one I can think of is Breeze Garlov. Because he doesn't, he doesn't really even say anything, but he's got that, he says candy kind of Breeze Garlov. <laughs> he's a bear in the woods kind if of If you're going to base the character on anybody, you would base it on Breeze. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh... Other than that, because you would think maybe a movie like that, Biz Nasty, might somehow get a reference, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think there was that. I'd say, yeah, Joe's bang on there. Um, he's definitely, definitely one of my favorite characters, one of the new favorite characters. One thing I noticed in the new movie is um, Elijah Cuthbert is back as Eva's sister, and she seemed to be a lot more, <laughs> a bit more prominent this time. Yeah, they've they've ramped up her um, her character's uh, involvement, I guess you could say. Yeah. Or, um Doug with that big dick. Yeah, she's um, one thing I thought about it, and is she pregnant? Because they always kind of show her from the waist up, and she's wearing big clothes, and her face is a bit puffier. But mm. I guess if she was pregnant, she would have had the baby by now, and we would, we yeah. would have known of a mini Dion. But that was the only, <laughs> I looked at it, and it's like a little mini mini pylon coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing I just really enjoyed because I really like that show Happy Endings that she was in, and I feel like her character is almost like an extension of that. They're very similar, so I don't know if that is just what uh, 
she's like in person. You know how like some actors, when they do certain roles, it's actually just an extension of their personality. So that might be her. But yeah, she was a lot of fun in that movie. Obviously, yeah, the weird Slovak goalie was awesome. And I guess the new bad guy, Kane. Yeah, Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, he, Kurt Russell's son. He is, he is a... I was just watching that going, God, that's a good ginger beard. God, that's some great <laughs> You're hair. jealous, weren't you? Made me very jealous. But he's a, he's a very bad... He's a badass. Yeah. He actually played. He used to play hockey. Yeah, I heard about that. That he obviously... He only stopped because of injuries that cut his career short. So... Yeah. I guess that's I, one way to bring it back is being goon too. Because I ran out of time, I was going to ask Jay, like... So, I was saying, you've got Wyatt Russell in your movie, Kurt Russell's son. He's a former player. Um, New Zealand supermodel Rachel Hunter and Rod Stewart have a son that plays hockey. He could be an option for the next movies, but yeah, I never got to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Stewart, massive fan of uh, the Puck Gear podcast as well. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Get him on. I, I had I had wondered that um, if there would be a third one, but I don't think there will be. Oh, I actually ended my interview with like, please, 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 please keep making hockey movies. Well, I mean, I think Jay, I mean, Jay, uh, very, it's a very solid debut as a director for him mm. uh i mean because you know i think was it in your interview john where he said that there were other oh no sorry was it because i've i've heard a bunch of interviews with jay yeah, um yeah. since movie yeah. came out i don't think it was with you um but he i think it was the ringer actually uh he basically said that this wasn't the movie the first movie he wanted to make as a director like he's got a whole bunch of other ideas um but it's this just kind of the timing worked out so Maybe in the future we could see another one, but I don't know if it'd be another goon movie. So he's kind of done the story. There's not much else he can do with it. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really feel like it can go anywhere else unless you sort of went ahead in the future. And is it? So he has a girl, right? In the movie, yeah. Doug Glad, yeah. it's a baby girl. Yeah. Joe? I can't remember. I, I think it is. I don't know. I, I don't. don't know they didn't really talk about it too much, but I had a feeling that it was a girl. Uh, so unless you kind of bring it forward, I don't know, 15, 20 years, Doug Glad is an old man and his daughter is, I don't know, blazing the trail. <laughs> That's the only yeah. other way I could see there be a third movie. One of those further down the track type deals. Or he could do the reboot of the Mighty Ducks franchise oh. directed by Jay Baruchel. That with would be actual, interesting. With actual hockey plays that make sense. Yeah, not um, Tex from uh, Texas who's lassoing players on the ice. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stereotypes in those movies. But, you know, back in the 90s, that shit was okay. <laughs> I was actually going to ask him if he was a fan of those movies because at the time of writing up my questions for that interview, I'd been watching Daredevil and it was just kind of weirding me out seeing one of the Bash Brothers, like, school fools and lawyer talk. But, yeah, didn't get him time to ask that one either. Oh, that's right. Fulton is in that movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, in, that sh- in that show. Yeah. So if, uh, all right, let's hypothetical here. If the Mighty Ducks movie franchise ever to get re- revived for a fourth movie. And I remember there was rumblings of that for a while, but I think that kind of, that died down. What do you guys, what do you guys think that plot would be? I reckon that, I, I don't really know about plots, but in a casting sense, I think Margot Robbie would have to be cast in this movie as the female goalie. Okay. Oh, yep, definitely. Uh, and I think it's she is the daughter of Charlie and yeah, who are you looking up with? Icelandic. Um, 
girl from the the Iceland team. Okay. You and don't... in the like in the interest of the way the world's gone forward and such, Kenny Wu has a has a, a life partner. Um <laughs> and uh and they're mentoring the most speedy uh Tyler Wong based player happening. <laughs> I like that. You worked in Tyler Wong. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And then what maybe um Maybe Goldberg has sort of cleaned his life up. He's gotten fit and maybe he's, he's a off go- the crack. <laughs> he's <laughs> off the crack and maybe he's like a goalie coach or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then Emilio Estevez will make a, um, a cameo cameo at the, right at the end as like the coach or the general manager of the the opposing team. Or they can make a full circle and like kill, kill him off like they did with the, oh my God, this is sad. I'm, I'm forgetting their names. Um, you know, the guy they were rallied around in the second movie when he died. Oh, Hans. Yeah, that's it. Was it Hans? The yeah. skate shop owner. Yeah, yeah. yeah which they changed, like, people. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was really weird. Hey, Disney do what they like, mate. <laughs> it's Disney. I would like to see a fourth Mighty Ducks movie. Kind of needs to be... Just, could they could they do like they did with X-Men and just forget the third one, though? Because that college thing was fucking stupid. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you brought that up because I wanted to talk about um, hockey movies in general or sports movies in general. And, you know, if we all named one that was underrated, I would actually say the third Mighty Ducks movie is underrated. <laughs> no, well, it's, that's a shit. It's a shit. The only thing that saves that movie is Paul Correa's cameo. Yes. Oh, is I he agree. a commentator? Yeah. Paul yeah. hardly agree. Yep. <laughs> that's fair. I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking, thinking of it like through like rose tinted glasses because I haven't watched it in probably about ten years. Yeah, and it felt like they forced it all on Charlie on that movie. Like, hey kid, you can act, do this kind of thing. Like, rest of the cast can't, but don't worry. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and sorry, and harkening back to also Punchy's episode where he mentioned Young Blood. That movie is I, that's my underrated one because holy shit, it's got uh, a yeah, very 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 young Keanu Reeves in it. Don't know if you know that, but. Yeah, I um, I've yet to see Young Blood. Maybe that's when I that's when I'll research. This, you definitely got to because you'll be like, holy shit, it's going to Reeves, um, playing you know in a hockey movie. I think my favorite or slash underrated sports movie. I'm going to put it into sports is Cool Runnings. That has got to be one of the greatest movies. I definitely, cried. Yeah. I cried in Cool Runnings. Would Cool Runnings <laughs> be underrated? Yeah. I, do you think it's a little bit forgotten about? Maybe forgotten. Yeah. I mean, it's the farewell to, to uh, John Candy. It's it's kind of legendary in that sense. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, Cool Running's awesome movie. But if you're thinking of underdog stories, can't get yeah, more, any more underdog than a Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> Maybe a Jamaican <laughs> ice hockey team. <laughs> that beat Canada in the second Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one, it's not really a hockey movie or a sports movie, but it does use hockey as a device. And that is the great Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Sudden Death. Yes. Where they blow up the old uh, Melon slash Civic Arena. Would you put that on your list of like Christmas movies? Does it, I don't know why it just feels Christmassy to me. Is it a Christmas movie? I don't know. I can't remember. It's, it's during oh, te- the winter. Technically, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's no technical about it. Die Hard <laughs> is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just angers the f- these people that say it isn't. Just the fact that yeah, in sudden death, he they blow up the arena. 
Van Dam has a fight with Iceberg, the penguin yeah, mascot. The most, that's the goriest death Slits of the whole movie. Slits his throat. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, and just all inside an industrial kitchen. Um, and he makes that wicked glove save because well, somehow he ends up on the ice yeah, playing. Yeah, he does a cartwheel. Yeah, and, and then he takes his helmet off and then does his um his scientist son and the and who's watching from the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. <laughs> he he tried to pull out his best uh, Dominic Harshik impression there for that movie. Um, Actually sorry, you're good. Yeah, like so sudden death, uh, if you haven't seen it, it you know, typical nineties movie, it'd probably be a bit cheesy, but if it's cheap on iTunes or something, I'd definitely watch it again. It was good. And there's one other I just thought of. Um, Sense, it's called Senseless, and it's got one of the Wayans brothers in it. Um, and I don't know, he takes some sort of pill where he can his heights, his senses are heightened, and he's a goalie and he makes crazy saves. But it's mostly a comedy movie, I think. That didn't do very well. That's yeah, Any, Wayans movie. Anything with a Wayans brother in it is yeah. gonna be gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Depends which one, to be honest. Have you guys seen MVP? No. <laughs> oh, that's most most valuable primate. Primate, primate? yeah. <laughs> no. he's, a, he's a monkey and he plays ice hockey. He's really good. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure that's on Netflix actually. It's Earbud ish, but it's not as good as Earbud. Earbud on skates, basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> and it's like a really cheesy, cheap Canadian movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's. I mean, they were like this earbud thing's gone really good for us although i don't know if we can get a dog to hold a stick what other monkey get a monkey <laughs> classic uh oh, you, you gotta love have Helen. you seen um i don't know if anyone's talked about it yet but or have you guys talked about it um letter kenny no it's yeah. one of the shows that i need to watch i've yeah. seen scenes really funny scenes yeah. people share them on facebook and everyone talks about it in um like in the changing room and everything uh Apparently, Justin Dagg is just the massivest Letterkenny fan ever. He's just watching scene after scene after scene everywhere. Which, um, yeah. But I, I haven't been able to find it anywhere because it's not on Netflix. Yeah, you're right. It's not. Um, good call. Yeah, because just while I was over there on my trip, my host dad showed it to me. And we watched the first three episodes and I was just cracking up. The first one's hilarious because they take the piss out of hockey players. Like something silly. Um, but yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, I just want to get back to to the goon movies for a sec before, we, and yeah. then we'll move on. Um, <clears throat> thought I, can't, I guess maybe you can't really chip in here too much, John, because you know you haven't, you haven't watched it. <laughs> but Joe, what do you between the two movies? What are your thoughts? How does how does the sequel um, rate? Uh, it's a good sequel. It's on sequel levels. Like normally, sequels are absolutely brutal. Um, but it doesn't, it just doesn't have that, um, feeling of the first one. The first one was just, cause it was just, it was so funny seeing Sean William Scott as that character and it had all the hockey kind of nostalgia feelings to it and the locker room chat and everything. Whereas the second one basically does just feel like another version of the first one it's not really a, a new movie it's kind of just going over the same gags and um same ending redemption uh coming back and blah blah, blah. i want to do a spoiler but i would say that the first <laughs> the first one is uh that was pretty close the first one is is the better of the two i'd have to say yeah i think i agree with you there on the the heart of the first movie and just 
yeah, the characters, obviously it's the first time that we've seen them. It's just, there's a lot more to it there. Uh, the second one. I think the hockey's better in the second one. Yeah. That's the thing. Once, once Goon 2 gets into it, it's, it is a really good movie. Uh, it just, it took a little while to kind of set up the premise and everything. And I mean, you know, sometimes you, you do that and just, uh, yeah, <laughs> you just, it's the way that you do it. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it did, it did feel a little slow, but once it gets going, it's awesome. And, and once you get into the, the, you know, there's always in a sports movie, the penultimate game. Once it gets into that, it's just, it's a really awesome movie. That last half hour just flies by. Yeah, the, the thing I noticed about the game, the final game, is I was watching it and I didn't... It's like I had the feeling of, oh, I wonder who's going to win. It was kind of like you're actually watching a game of hockey when, when they're doing going through the final scene, um, which is, I guess, testament to Jay and how they directed the the, the action scenes and the, the hockey scenes, really. It made it feel yeah, authentic enough that you thought you were watching a real game. Yeah, that's what he's talked about extensively. But yeah, sorry. That's all right. You can you can chip in with all the things that you know that Jay has said because you know you got an interview. <laughs> uh, well, that was the question I asked him, and then he went on for like five minutes talking about that. I mean, fair, it was it was really good info, but I was like, oh, I've got other other questions to ask you, man. <laughs> well, that's that's where MVP fell down, and it's um, <laughs> it's portrayal of a true hockey game. The monkey just couldn't hold a stick properly and his, his <laughs> backhand pass just wasn't good enough. I felt like he, that's, that was the failing of that movie, the portrayal of the, the real hockey game. The, the one thing that I, well, I, while the heart of Goon 2 isn't quite there as it is with Goon 1, uh, the one thing I do really enjoy is just how Canadian it is, you know, there's just, it's, and it, it feels so natural, obviously, because, you know, you've got Jay and all that. It, it's, it's not forced, but it's just so full of buds and A's and it's just everywhere. And you just, it, <laughs> I mean, I kind of just felt like I was back in, back in Toronto, like, you know, with all this and it just, it does feel very natural. Um, you know, none of the characters seem, you know, it doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem unrealistic. And uh, I guess that is one there's one really uh, key thing here with the with both of the movies is that the characters are so relatable to anyone who is remotely involved in hockey or has a passion for hockey. Like it's a movie that you can get behind so easily. And you know, same with Joe. Um, I was, you know, you know, when you get really sucked into a movie or a TV show, I, I'm the same with like Walking Dead. I'll, I'll sit there and I'll react to everything, even though I'm not aware of it. And then my girlfriend will make fun of me later. Um, <laughs> it's, it's this, it was the same with Goon 2. You know, the games will be happening or there was like a big hit and I'd be like, oh, like, you know, and it's just <laughs> it's awesome to get that kind of feeling and get that rush. You know, you do forget that you're watching a movie. Um, so I think props to Jay for his for that being his first uh, movie as a director, it was pretty impressive. So I'm interested to see, you know, where he goes with his career from here. Oh, I desperately want to see it now. You guys have talked it up really well. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, like, as you know, like I said, tamper ex- expectations a little bit. It is definitely not as good as the first one, okay. but it is a good serviceable uh, sequel. Awesome. Maybe that and, should be the yeah. tagline. <laughs> a good serviceable sequel. <laughs> Don't, 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 don't hang your head on that review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one, okay. Another thing I found interesting with the movie um, is obviously because 
Douglet starting a family. And there's the whole idea, you know, his wife talks about how it's so hard to watch him play. And it addresses in its own unique way. It, it tries, well, but not really, but it, it kind of brings up the idea of fighting and hockey and that. And I think you might've mentioned this with, uh, with Jay, actually, John, and he kind of swept yep. it under the rug. But the idea that you don't actually need an enforcer these days, that those guys can actually learn to play hockey and have a role. Yeah. Yeah, that was my going off script, kind of just thought I was trying to roll with the, and, you know, answer follow-up question. Um, but, yeah, you're right. He kind of just sort of was like, uh-huh, yeah, buddy, and then moved on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was – because I actually had a follow-up question on that too. It was just I love the, the human aspect of the, the Doug Lack character. And he based it on the Doug's, Doug the Hammer Smith story. So I was going to ask, is there any other hockey literature he's read, you know, that he was inspired by? But yeah, that's another one I didn't get time to ask. Um, it's a shame when you only get 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, because have you guys personally read any other, like I've read that Theo Fleury book. Have you guys read that one? No, I'm, the one that I'm starting to read actually is, um, crap, I'm trying to remember his name. The Tales of a, a First Round Nothing or something. The the Montreal Canadian guy that, um, I'll bring it up. Okay. Joe, you answer this while I try and do some research <laughs> on the fly. Uh, I haven't. I The one book I want to read is the Bob McKenzie uh, Hockey Dad one, cool. which I, have, I haven't read. I, I do like Bob McKenzie. Oh, I've read, I haven't read Hockey Dad, but I've read his latest one, Hockey Confidential. Where it's like um, each chapter is its own story, and he's he's sat down with um, you know John Tavares and his family, or you know PK Subban's dad, and you know Connor McDavid's family. It's it's really interesting, um, just kind of getting a really in depth look. It's of different aspects of the game and the culture, and you know different sides of it. There's one that was like a phys- uh, physiotherapist who looks after basically all the top athletes in, in Canada. And I think even some in the U S too, he flies, he's based in Toronto, but flies all over um, between the two countries to just treat players. And he's kind of, he's like a rock star as, as far as, you know, <laughs> the, the medical world goes for sports. And um, it's just a cool, it's a cool way of doing a book, I reckon. And that, is, that sounds awesome. Yeah. And it's kind of, cause I guess now we're in this culture of clickbait and everything that everything is going to be short and sweet i mean you can see that just with our own website <laughs> snackable content is yeah. the word oh god yeah. i fucking hate that term as we hate that term um so it is definitely a good read the book that i was referring to before is the terry ryan story tales of a first round nothing uh, i've only just started to get into that but uh that's quite an interesting read as far as as where i'm at <laughs> i'm literally i think i'm only two chapters in but yeah, as far as like hockey literature goes, I would definitely recommend that one. And anything what? that Bob McKenzie touches, really. What, what's with the title? Was he a former first round pick or something? Or? Yeah, he was basically, well, yeah, he was what you would call a bust, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's basically the tale of that and dealing with, and, you know, being drafted to the Montreal Canadiens and just dealing with that pressure. So um, it just kind of talks a lot about his adventure and his, his journey as a hockey player. Um, as far as I know, because like I said, I've only read two chapters so far. Um, I'm a fucking slow reader. There's <laughs> just so much to do these days that I, yeah, I take ages to read a book. Um, but yeah, it's going to definitely tries to address fighting hockey in its own unique way and just sort of 
kind of brings in that emotional element of, well, what about the, you know, the wives and the families back home that are sitting there watching their partner smash the shit out of someone? Yeah. How do they feel? Um, But there's actually another movie out of the moment. And it's, it's, it's kind of cool because we don't get a lot of hockey documentaries on New Zealand Netflix, but there's another one called Ice Guardians, which yep. we've all seen. Well, I've half seen. You guys have seen it. Yeah. Um, so I want to. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. Just the the issue more of fighting and in particular this film. Like, what were your thoughts on it, John? Uh, that was so awesome. That movie, just the way they did it. Uh, all the people they got to talk on the subject and the way they. You know, initially tried to portray both sides of the argument, but towards the end, it did feel like they were kind of sliding it more in terms of pro fighting. Um, but some really interesting points just regarding uh, various timelines that have happened in hockey, like removing the instigator rule and now the now the speed of the game, we're removing the um, two line pass and all and all the other things that slow it down. Um, so yeah, that's what I took most from it was how. The game is shifting, fighting's falling away, and is it becoming more dangerous because of that? Yeah, it it also yeah stars uh, well, Jay Baruchel features in it as well, yeah. and he kind of I guess that's feeds off his experience doing the Goon movies. But uh, the the main thing I got from it was that um, the kind of the way that fighting is being u- propped up as this crutch to blame concussions on. Yeah. Where the research has come out that five percent of concussions in the NHL is due from fighting, ninety-five percent is from hits to the head or just the whiplash kind of yeah. um, result of hits and um, people getting hit in the chest or and you know flipped over or whatever. Um, and you know they they ask NHL players like star players if if there's a need for fighters in the game and every single one of them says I felt more comfortable playing my game because I had Brian McGratton or someone sitting on the bench and they didn't even need to do it they didn't even need to go on the ice just having them sitting there allowed them to be the the star players that they were and score the goals like Brett Hull and and so on um which means it's it's brings in a, a tricky thing of like would would hockey be as good as it is and as exciting as it is, if there wasn't that intimidation factor with having those those kind of enforcer guys. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was quite interesting because they brought up Sidney Crosby as an example. That uh, out of any star player, no one has faced more, you know, cheap shots um, and injuries because of those cheap shots than in anyone else that's played the game. Obviously, you know, Gretzky had like Marty McSorley and uh, Dave Semenko looking out for him. And, you know, they they touched on that Gretzky probably wouldn't have gone to LA without McSorley by his side because yeah. he, he, needed, he needed that protection. He felt like he needed that role. And, yeah. you know, as Joe mentioned, like Brett Hull said, there was no way he'd be the same player without having uh, those guys on his Kelly, team. Kelly Chase and Tony Twist, the terrifying guys if you're opposing players so yeah and i guess you think about it like the penguins with crosby yeah you've had the likes of um eric goddard and matt cook but typically they were more pests than uh enforcers so they you know matt cook didn't i mean he did fight but you know he it was normally from his 
own undoing. Yeah, he only fought when he had um, concussed people <laughs> in the previous or, game. Yeah. Or cut hamstrings or whatever. Uh, yeah, so it is interesting that maybe Crosby is a good example of that, is that if there was that kind of stereotypical role uh, on the Penguins team, would he have had... Would he've had, you know, his bad run of injuries, which it's interesting now when you look at that, though, because over, you know, touch wood, he's had good luck over the last couple of years. And in those last couple of years, fighting is down a lot. There's a lot less of those people around. Um, The Penguins system do have one piece of shit still in in their ranks. (laughs) Um, Was it Tony Spazito? I'm trying to think. Was that the guy? Tom Esposito? No, Tom. Tom. Is it Tom? Yeah. Tom Sestito. Tom Sestito. Yeah, that's the right. Yes. Similar. Similar names. But now they they traded a first round pick for Ryan Reeves at the draft, which is a very hefty price to pay for a a big deal. At least he can kind of play a bit though. He's he's not your typical goon. That's see the way the game's changing is yeah, they're emphasizing speed. So goons can't be slow anymore. That's the thing. So you can't, you can't have, Four flyers taking up space on your roster. They can't skate because uh, they're just going to get. Even if they're there to emphasize a presence, they're just going to get skated around. So the way I see the game changing is goons are going to be super fast, tall dudes now, um, and they're going to be valuable. So you might see like trades like that that not being so uncommon. Yeah, I mean, even you know, look at the way Brad Marchand has evolved his game. You know, I mean, it typically wasn't like an enforcer, but in that kind of enforcer, but in that kind of pest role. The rat. The rat. He's also become this really skillful player. And so he's added a lot more um, to his game, a lot more value to his team. Uh, But still, I think when you have players like that on your team, or even like, let's say Milan Lucic, you know, he's... (laughs) He's not super skilled, but he's still a good player and he still serves a role in the NHL, obviously, there of the Oilers, is that there is still definitely a place for these kind of guys, but I guess just the role has changed over the last, um, you know, decade. But They need to keep up, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, shit, I saw a thing uh, on Sportsnet the other day where McDavid just went from 25Ks in his own zone to 40 uh, yep. as he hit the goal to score. Like, that's that ridiculous. Yeah, that was insane watching that highlight. It was crazy. Yeah, it's and they touch on it in the movie is are the play, is the game just too fast now? Because um, the, there's no red line, there's no hooking, holding. Yep. The defensemen are getting smashed against the boards. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's no kind of policing on the ice to stop this happening. And no matter how many games people get suspended for, it's doesn't really stop the the cheap shots that are still happening so that's the question would having these these players in these roles that would basically just come out and speed bag someone into in the face um (laughs) before any of that happens and you know that like it touches on the movie like in the 80s where like you had Gretzky who was the the super skilled player and he had Dave Semenko who died earlier this year it was kind of weird watching that that movie with him talking about it when he's when he's dead um you know there wasn't this kind of there wasn't all these cheap shots on the star players where what there is now it's just it's weird it's like the nhl's got rid of this breed of player that 
kind of does everything for their own teammates and the promoted skill, but the skill is getting cannibalized by themselves, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly, that's really well put there. Yeah. I think, uh, one thing that I saw that they brought up in ice guardians is the idea that with these skilled players and without, uh, enforcers kind of policing things on the ice there, you know, for things that get missed by the refs, um, these guys are going to have, they're going to have shorter careers. Yeah. And I think that's, that's definitely something that, you know, we should be, we should be looking at because I mean, there was, there was this one weird bit in the mo- in the documentary where, um, they had this like doctor, uh, and it was like, you can't tell me that if the refs in the league don't do their job enforcing the rules on the ice, that there's a need for these players out there to police the ice. It's not their job to do it. It's the job of the refs to to be doing this stuff. And I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck do you know, man? <laughs> like, Yeah, well, that's, that's what it, documentaries have to do is they have the other side. I but, know, yeah. and it, it does kind of seem like, because as Joe mentioned, it kind of slides to one side towards the end. Is that they almost just put that in there to try and create the illusion of balance? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the instigator rule. I'd love to go back in time and see, or some sort of alternate reality where, if the instigator rule wasn't taken out, would have would Paul Korea have lasted longer in his career? Like, would he still be playing today? Yeah, that um, that infamous Gary Suter cross check to the face. It was basically that. I mean, he got he had a few more concussions after that, but that basically set him down the the road of. Um, and I mean, yeah, you cross check someone in the face, and I don't think Gary Suter even no one from the Ducks went after him no, after that. No, and it's kind of like, wow, this is a bit. Where's the where's the justice of hey? I mean, it. We're going to tangent into like some Ducks fandom here, but I would say at that point, <laughs> not just yet. At that point, he was probably the best player in the NHL, in in that '98, what '97, '98 season. Yeah, that was that season. Yep, yep. Because he was injured for Nagano Olympics because of that concussion. You know, the one because um, we talk about obviously with the decline of this role in the NHL, the one person I would have really liked to see in this documentary was Paul Bissnett. They featured him a lot, um, fighting in the in the game yeah. scenes, yeah. But they didn't interview him, and I think he would have been a really interesting person to talk to on this on this topic. Particularly because he's had to retire, but yeah, good call. Because they did touch on that how um, once a player is sent down, if they're a goon, it's it's pretty much done for them. There's not really much chance of them coming back up. Yeah, they basically just have to fight all the other guys trying to make a name to themselves, and it's like like George Paris said he. He was like, I don't want to go to the minors and start the cycle over again of fighting yeah, everyone yeah. and trying to prove myself again. I'm, I'm out. I'm going to take my, take my skills to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> or designing sweet t-shirts. Um, yeah. Or oh, just ban people. They, yeah, that too. They do. He is a busy man. Uh, they do definitely portray the AHL in quite a brutal fashion. Which is interesting because we don't typically get to see a lot of the AHL unless you decide to pay the ridiculous fee that AHL Live charge you to stream the games. But it's, yeah, I mean, that kind of whole thing is basically you fight to prove yourself. And there was there was this thing right at the start where one guy, I can't remember who it was, but he basically said, once you start fighting, you know, I just, I wasn't able to ever stop. 
And it was this conscious decision that a lot of them have made to try and prolong their career. Yeah. And I guess now, now they, there isn't really that option. Like you could fight, but I'm pretty sure that most uh, teams now won't emphasize that kind of, oh, you know, he's dedicated to his team uh, by doing that and standing up for your teammates versus someone who's got the speed and skill to actually have a, uh, I guess, an influence on the scoreboard, you know? So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got you got to be able to score goals, I guess. Yeah. As well. Which is why it's so frustrating the Ducks still have Jared Bowl in the lineup. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. And, like, I saw in that first game the other day, it's like you're running a, a fourth line with Jared Bowl, Logan Shaw, and who was uh, was uh, Rasmussen playing? No, Wags is playing with Shaw mostly. Oh. So, yeah. But my, Chris well, Wagner and Logan Shaw have had some pretty good chemistry, but Jared Bowl is – oh. If they could just get rid of him, because Scott Severin can handle himself and he can actually score, so that's how it should be, I think. But anyway, sorry, I digress. No, no, no. Well, let's let's get into this. I was, I was going to say before we do, um, yeah, check out Ice Guardians on Netflix. I think it's on basically every Netflix around the world, but specifically, it is definitely on the New Zealand one. Uh, but yeah, I will let you guys derail the show now and let's talk about Anaheim. Um, so, John, you were just over there, actually. Yeah. Oh, that was. Yeah, like I said in my article, um, if you've never been over to see your favorite team, definitely do at some point in your life. It's well worth the trip. Your your That's article, brutal. your article which you wrote for Pakia.nz. What's that? Pakia.nz. The website Pakia.nz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to let me write for you guys. <laughs> no worries. I mean, um, you already you already do quite well writing for Anaheim Calling, so it's just kind of a no brainer, really. I actually have an idea for another one I'm going to do um, just based on waivers because I just did one for Anaheim calling about waivers, but I'll do one that's like league-wide because I don't know if you, you know, this is the time of year where players get sent through waivers and um, a lot of them get snuck, snuck down because everyone's rosters are a bit too full to, to snag somebody off waivers. Unless so you're unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> Why, have you guys snagged somebody? Well, yeah, we got Calvin Picard after he cleared waivers. Oh, we right, we yeah. traded for him. You had to get rid of a contract. Yeah. Oh no, we got rid of Tobias Lindbergh. Oh no. The jewel of the Dion Phaneuf trade, yeah. Tobias Lindgren. The one remaining piece from the Dion Phaneuf trade with uh, Ottawa is now gone. Uh, but yeah, um, talking about, you know, being in Anaheim and everything, I, I agree with you. You got to go see, um, you got to go make that trip and go see your team play in the arena. But the atmosphere at a Ducks home games, I've been to a couple of them and- I'm not like, I wouldn't call myself a Ducks fan, but it is shit. It's hell of a good time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's loud. Too. It's, yeah. Preseason was, because um, I've been to regular season games as well there. Um, preseason was a lot less intense, but the first game I went to was a Kings game. So yeah, that probably was as close to regular season intensity as it could be. And yeah, complete with annoying, really, really fucking annoying Kings fans being around me. The cockroaches, um, the cockroaches yeah. of the NHL. Sorry, Johnny. We, we love you, Johnny. Um, but yeah, Andrew. Just, <laughs> I did. But, yeah. I did enjoy Jonathan Hawks's. He's turned into a massive. Well, I don't. Know, he probably always was, but an All Blacks fan. He's posting a lot of All Blacks. Yeah, whenever stuff. they play, he's he's all over it. 
And uh, he mentioned something about, uh, he's like, oh, the Devils might be fun this year. I was like, I'm going to get to this later, but do not write off the Devils here, guys. Um, I think they could be in for a good season. But the one thing that I really like about the Ducks home games is when they score and um, the the horn goes off and then the Pennywise song comes on and everyone sings along. It's so awesome. I love that, that vibe and that atmosphere that they've created for the home games. You know, it's so cool. And if you're there, you get random high fives from drunken dudes next year. So yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, those front the, the Kings game seats like I was right by the glass and just seeing dudes get punished right in front of me. Um, it was pretty damn awesome. Like as I said in my article, my only complaint is if it's down the other end of the ice, if you're right by the goal line like I was, you got to watch on the jumbotron to see what the hell's happening. But other than that, oh well, yeah, the atmosphere, everything is so awesome. It's just you got to get there. That's. That's why I think I prefer, uh, you know, sitting in the upper bowl. You get a great view of everything. Yeah. And you can watch players develop. Like I had seats like that for the Vegas game. And yeah, I was right middle of the ice, like second tier bowl, I think. And oh, it was awesome. Just watching everything develop and watching Kevin Bieksa suck completely terribly. Oh my <laughs> um, God. Like Kevin Bieksa and Corbinian Holzer as your third defensive pick. I know like Vatnin and Linham are injured. But, like, Randy, what are you doing? When I saw him go down in that first game, I was like, oh, please be dead, please be dead, please be dead. Because <laughs> um, at least I, it's sad, but I wish injury at least one of those two so that so that Joseph Jacob Megner can get in the lineup because at least he will make the plus minus a little bit better. Yeah, so but, you, you know you would know a bit about the, the duck system um, writing for them and stuff. So instead of... Instead of us having this brutal pylon city of Bexer <laughs> and Holzer, who yep. else can they like Jacob Larson? What has happened to him? Or is it Migna? Or is there is it Wilinski, another defenseman? Wilinski's he's probably third in line right now, but um, Migna has to stay up because he's waiver he's not waiver exempt. So if they try to sneak him down, he's going to get grabbed because he led the AHL in plus minus last year, like fucking plus 33. It was, it's kind of mental. Who are you, um, Don Cherry? You put so much <laughs> emphasis on plus minus stats here? Uh, just, I've got a, uh, the guys for Anaheim Cloying know that I've got this weird man crush for, for Magna, but he is huge and he can, he can skate, he can um, move the puck and he's a big body. So he sounds like, like a, he sounds like a perfect, um, modern day NHL defenseman um but I mean then you've got Kevin Bexer yeah yeah so I mean those big dudes usually don't have that kind of attribute but the way defensemen are moving nowadays they're getting smaller they're becoming swifter and puck moving uh, but because of that power forwards are still around and you can't clear them out from the net if, if you're smaller um but Magna's got the best of both worlds so that's why I'm really high on him it's just um, well, as soon as I say this, watch him get traded or, or waived this season or something. Well, and that, that's the thing. Um, Randy will want to keep um, Corbini and Holzer and he'll wave Megna and he'll get picked up by someone else. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys are welcome to Corbini and Holzer. He was uh, nowhere on the Leafs depth chart, that was for sure. <laughs> uh, the But while going back to your trip here, John, you also, yeah, <laughs> you also got to go to Solani's Steak Tavern. Oh, God, that was amazing. So, yeah, we, my friends were, they, they booked it and they were saying we're going there, but I honestly thought they were kidding. So it's like, I've heard that place is mentally expensive. Um, it is, but <laughs> we showed up there and we thought we were going to sit at the bar and have burgers, but they're like, nope, here's your table. 
So, yeah, um, we got our menus and just were like, oh, shit, okay, let's just pick the cheapest steak. And the cheapest steak was still fucking amazing. Um, and cheapest bottle of wine, which happened to be a Kiwi wine. Um, and, yeah, and then when they brought the food out, it was it was Tima Salani's son. Um, and the waitress was saying there's a player in here. I was looking around, and I, I, I thought I... I thought maybe Austin Ortega was there or something, but she's like, no, he's French. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, across the table, um, it's French Francois Boche, man. Just, just ah, sitting there. Boche. That's pretty cool. Uh, now, did, does Solani, like, shoot the steaks off his stick out onto people's <laughs> tables? <laughs> Imagine him just sitting in the kitchen and they just, once the steak's ready, puts it onto some kind of tea and Solani just shoots it. Yeah, yeah. It on like- people's tables. He throws him on your table. He throws his glove, and glove up in the air and he goes, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> your steak is done. <laughs> no, there's yeah, definitely no, uh, best. I mean, I've been there as well. I was like celebrating a friend's engagement and she's a huge Ducks fan as well. Uh, she's the one I always go to games with when I'm in LA and man, best steak of my life. I didn't even care that it costs like $80 US, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the I know you didn't get to try it this time, but if anyone yeah. ever goes there, the mac and cheese is like the greatest thing I've ever had. How much had. was that? I can't even remember. It was probably like twelve, thirteen dollars. So okay. you know, it was quite expensive for a side, but you got yeah. this massive bowl of just cheesy goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that it's called Timu's mac and cheese. I think that's what it said on the menu. That's why I was like, oh, I kind of want it. But I was like, oh, it's expensive. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly Timo knows his mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> he knows his food. Um, but yeah, we should wrap this up because there's a lot of hockey on today and we want to watch it and get fat and drink beer. So um, thanks for coming on the podcast today, John. We'll, we'll let you go so that you can also enjoy the great Sunday hockey that is uh, New Zealand's tradition. Hockey night in oh, Canada. Shit. Hockey night in Canada in New Zealand on a Sunday. True that. Right. Good. Uh, well, I wonder what the hell grapes is wearing today. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, mate. Uh, we'll talk okay. to you later. See you, man. Good Bye. chat. Bye. Yeah, so uh, didn't derail it too much with ducks chat. I appreciate that. We could have gone. We could have gone deep, deep into the system. <laughs> I thought that. It's all right. Yeah, I thought your cold was all gone. I thought you. Were no, it's back. Yeah, we could have gone deep into the in the ducks chat and third line. Um, defense pairings but let's just we'll end it there yeah. we'll end it there and uh, yeah so watch watch Goon 1 and Goon 2 last of uh, the Enforcers if you haven't yet and also the documentary Ice Guardians on Netflix they're all good watches um, for a hockey fan and uh, we'll be next week we're kind of keeping on with this theme of hockey movies, actually, because we interview the director of the hockey film, Chris Awald. Very, um, very interesting title of a movie. The hockey film. It's very definitive. I like it. It's got a lot of expectations. Yeah, don't screw it up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're Pakia Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pakia Podcast. And we also have our website. Pakia.nz that's right puckyear.nz and uh, <laughs> oh my god see Joe's dying so we we should go um, so thanks for listening guys as always if you got feedback hit us up we'd love to hear from you peace Puckyear it's New Zealand's hockey podcast subscribe on iTunes SoundCloud or with your favourite podcatcher 
Follow the guys on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Puck Here Podcast. Puck Here.